Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. I had a conversation with a lady this week, and she was an older lady, and we were talking about the situations of our nation, and she said, Mark, I'm glad I'm older and I don't have to see what's going to happen to our nation. In other words, I'm going to go on to heaven. Our kids and our grandkids are going to have to deal with it, but I'm glad that I don't have to. Church, there's a better promise than that. Church, there's a better promise than that. Jesus' death on the cross wasn't just to get us into heaven, but it's also to cause victory here on the earth. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. There was a, a pastor in Texas, and this pastor, they decided to go after God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on, as earth, on earth as it is in heaven. God, we're getting serious about this thing. They said that morning going into church, it was all, almost as if the atmosphere was electric. So much so they were afraid to do anything and say anything because they didn't want God to just leave because we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The pastor felt led by the Lord to read this one scripture. Can I read it this morning? If my people. If my people, God's kids, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. The Bible doesn't say make the world turn from their wicked ways. It said, church, start with you. But if you've ever flown on a plane, they say, listen, don't take that oxygen mask and put it on your child first. Don't put it on grandma first. No, 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 put it on you first. Because if you try to put it on somebody else, you're gonna die trying. It starts in the house of God. Judgment starts in the house of God. And so he went on, he said, hey, listen, God said he'll hear from heaven, forgive their, their sins and heal their land. At that moment, the plexiglass pulpit split in half. The pastor flies back 10 feet. The only sign of life is his hand twitching. People are diving over chairs, confessing every dirty thought, every white lie, anything and everything they did to ever grieve the Holy Spirit because they got serious that morning. They were baptizing people all day long. Second service showed up and there was no place for them to park. They were falling on their faces in the parking lot, confessing Jesus is Lord. Lost people just driving by the church would automatically go into the parking lot, fall on their faces, and also cry out that God is true. Listen, God's trying to take Christianity to the level that he left it 2,000 years ago. And he doesn't say, church, if you complain, I'll hear from heaven. If you get into verbal debate on Facebook, I'll hear from heaven. No, 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 no. God says, if my people who realize who they are would humble themselves and pray, God says, watch back, watch out, stand back and see what I will do. God left the church with more than a song and a sermon. He left it with the Holy Spirit and the power of God to transform the world. So much so the Bible says the disciples turned the world upside down. And he's ready to do it with you and I. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready for Jesus to show up in power. I'm ready for people passing by church today all of a sudden show up in the parking lot, show up in our service, and confess Jesus the truth because they realize and they come face to face with a God who's radically and recklessly in love with them because he's a good, good father. Amen? I'm excited this morning. If you're not excited yet, your wood may be wet. Your neighbor might need to tickle you a little bit today. But hey, we need to get excited. We're in church. We're celebrating the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's a whole lot to be excited about. Amen? All right, let's get ready. Say hello to two or three people around you. Well, good morning. A couple quick announcements and we'll get into the Word. Um... We have someone here, I don't see him at the moment, but he's, a, he's an officer, and what he does is um, 
catches bad guys. But he catches people that get on the, the computer and pretend to be something they're not, and to tries pretends to be a child. Um, some really uh, tough stuff, really. But um, what we want to do is opportun- uh, uh, provide an opportunity to to bring awareness to the things that are going on that you may not know that's going on, uh, to draw your attention to that. I just heard a story this week about a young boy that uh, was talking to a young girl, and they both agreed to send each other, um, exchange some things, and um, come to find out one of them was an adult, and it wasn't even a girl. And uh, these things happen all the time right here in this city we live in. Right here in this city we live in. So if you'd like to uh, get educated on that, some things and signs and things to be looking for, uh, I'm going to come because I want to check it out. Um, but um, it's Kyle Pinnell. He'll be the one that's doing it. He'll be uh, you know, on the screen, and you, he'll go through it all. And we just basically right now find out who would like to attend, and then we'll schedule a time probably on a Sunday afternoon or something. And also, starting this Saturday morning, we're going to start prayer on Saturday. And you can just hit up Mark Tant. He's the one that opened us up and find out details about that starting this Saturday. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We're here this morning gathered together in the name of Jesus. And we come here this morning to hear your word, to have questions answered to leave out of here better than we came in. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. If you have your Bible, you can just go to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, and starting in the 41st verse, and I'll read a few. Can't read the whole story, but I'll, I'm going to get you caught up. It says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, if you're a note taker, you can go ahead and start right now. He heard something. He heard the sound of the abundance of rain. There was a sound. He heard the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of uh, Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees. And in that moment, I'm going to get Luke to come up here and demonstrate that position. I'm not going to do it because I'd have to finish my sermon from that position. And said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked, and he said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. So he sent him seven times. And on the seventh time, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There's a cloud as small as the man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now he outran a horse in his chariot. It's a 17-mile trip. But it says the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, depending on what translation you're reading, but it would definitely take the Spirit of the Lord to come upon me for me to run one mile, much less 17. But he's, he's praying for rain. He's praying for rain. And a lot of people in this room, at the sound of my voice, are praying for something. You're praying for some type of rain in your life. And the question is, are you ready for it? Are you ready for the rain? Because if you're praying for a rain, if you're praying for things, there's a process that takes place before the rain shows up. And we say we want it, but the question is, do we really want it? Do you really want it? Are you ready for the rain? That's the title of the sermon. I couldn't decide. I just decided. Are you ready for the rain? We say we want the rain, but at the end of the day, are you ready for the rain? Are you ready? I've got a friend that lives in Maplesville on his wall. It's actually Stanton, real close to Maplesville. On his wall, he's got it painted on the living room. You can't miss it. You're sitting on the couch looking at it, and I, I see it two or three times a year because I go and stay with him, and it says, you got to be ready. And it's always a reminder, you got to be ready. you got to be ready. You can't wait until the storms of life hit, then go get ready. you got to be ready. 
Just like my wife was down in the basement when the tornado was coming by because she was ready and I was in the bedroom, said I was just going to sleep. I wasn't ready. But then when I started hearing things hit the house, I said, I, I probably need to go on down there. And I did. But you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Amen. See, a lot of times the start looks a lot different than that, the end result or what you want, what you're praying for. The start always looks different. It always looks different, just like going into the gym. So everybody here, nobody says, I, would, I like being out of shape and fat. I mean, nobody ever once says, yeah, I enjoy this. No, if you could just take a pill or snap your fingers and be in perfect shape and be healthy and the correct weight and be able to just take off running 10 miles and be in good shape, who, who wouldn't want that? If you could just all of a sudden look like the cover of Men's Health or some type of women's fitness magazine, you'd want it, of course. Well, there's a process to get there. You just don't go in the gym one time and come out looking like that. But a lot of people want it, but you're just not really ready. You walk in the gym, and you're like, I don't think I'm ready for this. I used to go to the gym. I haven't been in years. I'm not sure that I'll ever go back. I never did like it, but I always thought I needed to work out to be in some sort of decent shape, so I would go to the gym, and uh, some days I would walk in the gym, and I, I mean, I'm fully, you know, shorts and sneakers and t-shirt, I'm ready to work out, and I look around at the equipment, I just turn around, walk back out the front door, get my truck, I'd go to Donut Joe's, Waffle House, Foot and Dough Bakery. Go to Waffle House, get me all-star special, then I'd go in the house, get ready to go to work. And it wasn't long, I met a guy up there, his name was Andy, big old fella. And he, I started working out with him, and then I started working out with his friend, his friend's name was Josh, it was Andy and Josh and me. And I've always been a leader, I've never been a follower, so a lot of days I'd come in the gym and I'd look around and I'd say, ah, let's go to Waffle House. And they'd say, you serious? And I'd say, yeah, let's go. So I'd lure them to Waffle House. Now we're up there, three all-star specials. Ain't nobody working out. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wanted the results, but at the end of the day, I wasn't ready. You understand what I'm saying? That's called the nature of faith. The nature of faith. In 1841, right here, 1 Kings 1841, Elijah says to Ahab, now Ahab's a king. He says, go up, meet, and drink. For there's a sound, not just of rain, but I hear something. I hear a sound of the abundance of rain. But nobody else was hearing what he was hearing. It wasn't thundering and lightning in the distance because what he was hearing wasn't coming from out there into his ears, but it was coming out of here, out of his ears. That's a difference. See, when you hear from the Lord, 99 times out of 100 it comes from in here. Now, you can hear God audibly. I know some people he spoke to. I've heard him speak so loud to me before that I literally looked around the room where I was at because I thought he was in there with me to only realize, no, it was coming out of here. It was coming out of here. It was coming out of my ears, not going into my ears. But he says, I hear this something. I hear something. That's because the word is heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You hear the word. You don't always see it. What you see don't always line up with what you hear. Amen? We pray for change, pray for change, pray for change. I'm praying for change. I'm standing on a promise. I'm reading the Word. I'm believing on this Word. I'm standing on this Word. But what I'm seeing is not lining up with what I'm hearing. I think I heard something. I felt like I heard something. I'm sensing something. Something's changing. God's speaking to me. But still what I see is not lining up with what I hear. Well, that's this thing called faith. If you could see it, you wouldn't need faith. You don't need faith to see me. You can see me pretty clear standing right here. Amen? Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The word is heard, and what Elijah hears is a word because he actually heard God tell him. He said, here's how it all started. Ahab's the king of Israel. He's really not a bad guy until Jezebel comes on the scene, and she's a bad gal, and she's worshiping Baal. And so she leads Ahab down the wrong path. Now he's full-blown worshiping Baal. Now they've turned the whole nation of Israel, not the whole nation, but the majority of the nation of Israel. Now they're worshiping Baal, not God, but Baal. And they've got these idols. And now there's a famine on the land, a drought. There's no rain for three and a half years. 
and here's Elijah out here, and the Lord speaks to him and says, if you'll go see Ahab, I'll bring some rain on the land. So Elijah goes to see Ahab, and on the way to see Ahab, he sees Obadiah. Obadiah is a servant of the Lord who's actually a servant to Ahab. And he runs into him and he says, go tell Ahab that I want to see him today. And he says, are you crazy? They've killed all the, Christ all the, all the prophets of God. They're, they've killed them all. I've got a hundred hidden in caves, 50 in each cave. I've been bringing them bread and water. And you want me to go tell him that you want to see him? No, what have I done that's so bad that you're writing me this death sentence? He said, no, go do it. I'm going to go see him today. So Obadiah goes and tells Ahab. Elijah's comes to see you. And sure enough, Elijah shows up to see him. And Ahab says, Oh, you trouble, troubler of Israel. He said, I'm not the troubler. You are, you and your father's house, because y'all aren't obeying the commandments anymore, and you've turned the whole nation, the majority of the nation, against God. Now you're worshiping Baal and Asherah, Asherah, worshiping these false idols. And he said, I tell you what, call up your 450 prophets of Baal, call up your 450 prophets of Asherah, meet me on Mount Carmel, we're going to find out who the real, true God is. So they go up there on this mountain, 450 bells, 400 asherahs. In other words, there's 850 false prophets serving a, a false god that has absolutely no power whatsoever. And here's Elijah. And Elijah says, here's what we'll do. Y'all take a bull, we'll take a bull. You chop your bull up, I'll chop my bull up. You offer your sacrifice, I'll offer my sacrifice. You go first. And all the nations gathered around here because they've called the whole nation. Anybody wants to come to attend, to come and watch. So they're all gathered around watching. And he says to the people, today you're going to find out who the real God is. Not a pin, you can't hear a pin drop. Nobody's shouting, nobody's cheering. I think a lot of people... Not really sure who the real God is. Maybe others felt like God was the real God, but they're afraid to shout because they're afraid to die like the other prophets had died. So anyway, they, they put this bull up there, and they start shouting. They start praying to Baal. Baal ain't got no power. Baal's making promises like a politician, saying I can do something, but at the end of the day, I really don't have the power to make the change I'm promising you. So they start shouting to Baal, shouting to Baal. And Elijah's laughing. And Elijah's saying, well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's meditating. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Shout louder. Maybe he'll hear you. He's probably playing on Facebook. Shout louder. So they start shouting louder, start cutting themselves, start going nuts. Guess what happens? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. So he says, okay, my turn. So he assembles all these rocks. He puts the altar back together. He puts the wood on it. He puts the bull on it. He says, pour some water on it. They pour some water on it. Oh, I forgot this. They dug a trench around it. He said, pour some water on it. They did. He said, pour some more water on it. They did. He said, pour some more water on it. They did. Now all the wood's completely wet. Mark said something a minute ago about your wood being wet. They poured till the wood was wet. Now the whole trench is completely full of water. Then he prays to his God, our God, the only God, the living God, and fire falls down from heaven, burns up the bull, burns up the wood, burns up the rocks, and licks up the water, and there ain't nothing left. They found out today, that day, who the real God was. But let me stop for just a moment. See, there was a sacrifice made, but the judgment of God consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the rocks, and the water, consumed every bit of it. But Jesus hung on the cross, and he wasn't consumed by judgment. He consumed the judgment. Praise the Lord. So he took all those false prophets, and he led them down there, killed every one of them. Killed every one of them. Slit their throats, most likely. And that's where the story picks up. He says, go and eat and drink. For I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. See, I couldn't have read all that. I'd still be reading. A lot of times in life, you know, we're praying for rain, and perhaps it even looks like we're living in the rain, living in abundance, winning on the outside, but really weeping on the inside. And that's what the enemy wants to do is keep the inside of you, your soul, in a drought. He wants to keep you in a drought. But there is this creative process of faith. Uh, faith is not just used to get to heaven. 
Faith is not just used to get to heaven. Once I get to heaven, I won't need faith anymore to believe in Jesus because I'm going to be looking face to face to, at him with him. But we need faith while we're here on earth to make it through every day, to make it through weeks, to make it through the storms, to make it through the challenges. There's just things that you know in your spirit. There's things I know in my spirit that I haven't seen my, with my eyes, but I believe it. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. I have faith. That's why I got out of the bed this morning, came up here and stand before you preaching. That's why I'm here every Sunday. That's why I study and read the Word of God and pray every week, because I do have faith, because I do believe. I believe. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't see the blood get applied to the doorpost. I didn't see the children of Israel plunder the Egyptian to come out with silver and gold, no feeble among the tribes. I didn't see that, but I believe it. I didn't see them stand at the Red Sea and Moses lift up his staff in the Red Sea part and them cross and then the Egyptians be drowned in the sea. I didn't see it, but I believe it. I believe it. I didn't see it, but I believe it. I didn't see them standing at the River Jordan with Joshua and Caleb in the River Jordan's at flood stage. They said, what are we going to do? And God said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk out into the river with the Ark of the Covenant, and I'm going to drive this river up 20 miles upstream to the city called Adam. See, there was this thing that stood in the way between them and the Promised Land, and this river. There's a thing that stands in the way between you and the Promised Land. It's this thing called sin, and God dried the river up 20 miles upstream to a city called Adam because that's where the river started, and that's where sin started. And when Jesus went and hung on the cross and died for you, he dried the sin all the way back up to Adam. I didn't see it, but I believe it. I believe it. Praise the Lord. I didn't see it, but I believe it. I didn't see him raise Lazarus from the dead, but I believe it. With every core of my being, I believe it. I believe he healed blind eyes. I believe he healed lame legs. I believe he told the man on the mat to get up, take your mat, and go home. I believe it. I believe he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. I believe it. I believe it. But I didn't see it, but I believe it. Praise the Lord. I didn't see him tied to the whipping post, but I believe it. I didn't see him keep beating him down and him keep getting back up, but I believe it. I didn't see him carry the cross, but I believe it. I didn't see the nails go through his hands and feet, but I believe it. I didn't see him come out of the tomb three days later, but I believe he did. He got up and he got out of the tomb so that you and I can get up and get out of the tomb. I didn't see it, but I believe it. That's what faith is called. That's faith. And faith, what you see don't always line up with what you hear. Faith comes by hearing, 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 and hearing the Word of God. Amen. It's just something you know in your spirit. It's just something I know in my spirit. I haven't seen it, but I just know it. I just believe it. It's just in there. You can't talk me out of it. My bad circumstances or my bad life experiences doesn't change the truth of God's Word. His Word's true. Regardless, I prayed, but it didn't happen. Don't change the word. It does not change the word. The word's still the truth. If you let what you see change what you believe, then you're constantly going to be changing what you believe. You can't go by what you see to determine what you believe. We've got to get into the word and we're going to believe what we hear. That's a tough process. That's a tough stage, rather, is when you're in the can't see stage. I can't see anything. I can't see anything. He told his, he told his uh, Elijah stays down there with his head between his knees. I'm not going to get in that position like I said. But he gets down on the ground, on his knees, puts his head between the, his knees, says, I hear something. I hear something. You go look. You, he sends a runner up the mountain and he says, you go look. You go look. I'm not looking. I'm just going to stay right here and stick with what I heard. You can go look. I'm just going to stick with what I heard. So the runner goes up the mountain and he comes back and he says, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. And that's the can't see stage where you know you heard something from God. You know you sense something, you perceive something, you believe something, but you don't see it. Are you desperate for rain? Some aren't desperate for rain. I don't like when it rains on the weekends. 
Sometimes I don't like when it rains during the week because we're trying to get work accomplished. But I especially don't like when it rains on the weekend because there's things I want to do and rain messes it up. But more importantly than that is when it rains on a Saturday, people stay home from church on Sunday to do what they didn't get to do Saturday. And if it rains on Sunday, they say, oh man, it's dreary outside and it's raining. And listen, those raindrops hitting the roof. I'm just going to lay here in my pajamas and take it easy. And they don't come to church. That's why I don't like it to rain on Sundays, on Saturdays. Main reason. But see, you got to get desperate enough for the rain that you say, I'm going to get on up out of my pajamas and I'm going to go on. You got to get desperate enough that I'm going to pray and desperate enough that I'm going to keep believing and desperate enough that I'm tired of being broke, busted, and disgusted and I need something new in my life. Desperate enough. Some aren't desperate enough, but see, you got to be desperate enough. You need some rain. I tell you, one reason you need rain is because you've got seed that's being put in the ground because you've heard the word and you put the seed in the ground, but you'll, the seed will never produce a harvest without first the rain. Amen. You got to get desperate for the rain. Storms come and it brings rain, it brings water. And when the storms come and the water comes, it beats against your house. And you know what? That's when your foundation will be revealed. What kind of foundation you really have. Amen. And your house may be get, it may get torn down. But that's okay. Because God will lift you up and He'll put you on a firm foundation. He'll say, that last house you built, it didn't withstand the storm. Let me build your house on the rock. So this drought came. It's three and a half years. These, the, the nation had been doing good, but now all of a sudden they're serving Baal. They're worshiping Baal, and, and they got all these idols, and these people are depending on another source, and then all of a sudden God cuts it off. He cuts it off. He cuts it off. Now there's a drought. And see, anytime you're depending on another source, it's just a matter of time before God will cut off that source because He wants to be the one and only source in your life. Amen. So He'll cut it off so that you'll come to Him for the source, so that you'll be able to sustain the blessing once you receive it. Amen. So these people were depending on another source, and God cut off the source, and the rain stopped falling. He'll allow situations. He'll allow droughts. He will allow things to come in your life to get your attention. Because He wants your attention. He wants to be your source. And Elijah survived this drought. He survived this drought. God told him, he said, go down by the brook. There's water there at the brook. And also, I'm going to send you some food. So God used a raven to bring Elijah food down to this brook. And this old dirty raven, an old dirty bird, that bird's flying dirty. You know, anyway, forget it. Tough crowd. But he, he uses this raven to bring him food. And then the brook dries up and he says, move. And guess what? Elijah ends up going to this widow's house. See, first of all, he uses this old dirty old raven bird to bring him the food, to bring him the supply, to bring him the blessing, to bring him what he needs. Who would have thought that? Why would you use a raven to bring me food, a dirty old raven? How about a bald eagle? I mean, if you're going to use a bird, let's use a cool one, not a dirty old raven. It's not up for you or for me to decide who God's going to use to bless you. You can't sit out here and wait till they sing my favorite song before I'm going to, <laughs> before I'm going to receive. God may use a song that you don't think you like to speak directly to your heart. Your life can change during praise and worship. You don't have to wait till I get up here. I'm nothing but just a man myself. He sends into to a widow's house. And this widow's gathering sticks. He says, cook me something to eat. And she says, well, I've only got a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, just enough to make one cake. I'm gathering these sticks to start a fire. And I'm going to build this, uh, cook this last meal. And then me and my son, we're just going to die. And he says, cook me one first. 
fix me one first. Isn't it interesting that he carries her, he, the Lord carries Elijah to a house who somebody, somebody has a greater need than he does? And a lot of times when you're going through a drought and you have a greater need, he'll carry you into somebody else's life that has a greater need than you do so you can help them just so you can see how good he's already been to you in your life. See, it ain't really as bad as you think it is. I was a little frustrated at work this week at a couple of people and I'm standing at Home Depot and I'm a little agitated and I'm ready to go and the line's long and they're slow and they're getting on my nerves. I'm already, I mean, it's, I'm ready to quit being a preacher for a minute. And I see something bobbing up. You know how they have those center display aisles that's about yay high? I see something and I'm, it caught my attention. What is that? And then all of a sudden, oh Lord. All of a sudden, this man who had zero legs, they were this long, and his feet were upside down. His feet were upside down. And he was walking on his hands, and his little stubs were like the crutches. And he's, he's going through lows. He ain't checking up. And I thought, you know, my bad day just got a lot better. My bad day just got a whole lot better. Because there's people out there that's going through a lot harder things than you think you're going through. I walked out of Lowe's. Not on my hands. Praise the Lord. That'll shut you up. It shut me up. I quit complaining. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for these boneheads you've put in my life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this... 716th OSB board is priced at $38, but it's only worth about $8. Thank you, Jesus. So this, this servant's at the mountain, and he don't see anything. And he, he said, go look. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Go look. Now, Here's this servant. Put yourself in his place. He's on top of the mountain. He just saw Elijah kill 850 people. And I'm going to come back and tell you I don't see nothing. I guarantee you, coming back down the mountain would have took me a whole lot longer than going up. I wouldn't want to tell him. But he came back. You know what he said? He said, I don't, I don't see anything, Elijah. I don't see anything. That's bad news. And he says, go back. He says, go back. Go back. And he goes back and he comes back. He says, I don't see anything. So the question is, did he see anything or didn't he? Did he see anything or didn't he? It's one of those trick questions. Like they asked a little kid in Sunday school, and the little kid says, uh, I know the answer to the question is Jesus, but it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel. I don't know the whole story, or I'd tell you, but the Sunday school teacher was trying to trick him into saying, anyway, forget it. If you've heard the story, you know what I'm talking about. It, it's, it's funny to you. To the rest of you, you just think I'm an idiot right now, so that's okay. But if you don't see anything, that's okay. I see it rain. But see, before it rains, there's a process I don't see. There's some water coming out of the sea, and there's clouds forming. There's things happening. So just because his servant didn't see it doesn't mean that something wasn't happening. You following me? And it seems like nothing. And a lot of times when it starts, it always starts off as nothing. Don't see some. don't see, he said, I don't see anything. I, there's nothing. I don't see there's some, nothing. But that doesn't mean something isn't happening. You can take this church for an example right here. You know what it started as? Nothing. Absolute nothing. It started in the basement of somebody's house. People probably thought, y'all are crazy if you're going to start a church. It don't look like a church. It just looks like a handful of people meeting in somebody's basement. It didn't look like nothing. It didn't look like something. But it was something. It looked like nothing, but it was something. And that's usually how it looks to begin with when you're standing in faith to begin with. It doesn't look like it. And what you're hearing is completely contradicting what you're seeing. 
And I'm believing for it, but I'm not seeing change. What do you do when you're believing for something? You're believing for the rain, but you're not seeing any change. When you're believing for your children, but you're not seeing any change. When you're believing for your wife, but you're not seeing any change. When you're believing for your husband, for your health, but you're not seeing any change. When you're believing for your finances, but you're not seeing any change. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when you go one lap around a city, but you don't see anything? You do another lap. Do two laps, I don't see anything. Do three laps. What about Naaman dipping in the Jordan River? One dip, didn't see nothing. Dip again. Dip again. Dip again. Go up the mountain. Go up the mountain. Go up the mountain. Just keep going up the mountain. Not seeing any change. Sing again. Not seeing any change. Pray again. Not singing. Not hearing. Not seeing any change. Read the Word again. You go again. You just keep going. You just keep digging. You just keep going up the mountain. You just keep dipping in the river. You just keep doing circles around the walls because they will fall. Praise again. Sing again. Pray again. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I can't see it, but I believe it. I can't see it, but I believe it. And finally, he came down the seventh time. He sent him up six times. Six times he said he saw nothing. On the seventh time, he comes down the mountain and he says, I see something. I do see something. The other times I saw nothing. This time, I had to squint to see it and use my binoculars. It's not much, but it is something. It is something. It's not much. But it is something. It's not much, but it is a start. That's another stage we go through where it's not much. It seems like not much. It seems like it's very insignificant. What's going on here seems very insignificant, kind of like, hey, there's 5,000 people here. Let's find them some lunch. What have you got? Well, we don't have anything but a little boy's lunch, just a little bit of bread and a few fish. It seems like just a little... What have you got in your house? Well, all I've got is a little bit of oil. It seems insignificant at first. Despise not the small beginnings. Zerubbabel had this plumb line, and God says, I rejoice. I'm rejoicing that you've got that plumb line because I rejoice in small beginnings. He hadn't built anything yet. He's just pulling the string, getting ready to start construction. It's a small beginning, but says God's rejoicing. You and I are supposed to rejoice. We're not supposed to despise small beginnings. Moses is out there in the wilderness tending sheep. He was tending sheep on four legs before he was leading sheep on two legs. There was a, it started, despise not the small beginnings of leading around a bunch of stinky sheep. God's getting you ready for a bigger, higher calling. Amen. Celebrate the small victories. Celebrate the small victories. Celebrate them. It's a small victory. We haven't been seeing anything, but now we see something. Celebrate it. You should smoke four packs a day, but now you're down to three. Celebrate. Celebrate. I used to drink a case of beer every Friday. I've cut it back to a half a case. Celebrate. It's a start. It's not where we want to end, but it's a start. I went in the gym. I come out sore. I got on the scales. I weigh the same. But I'm going to celebrate this soreness because I know through this working out, through this sore soreness, I can't see it, but something's happening. That's faith. Amen. Y'all aren't as excited as I am. So some of you are. But the ones that you're like this and drools coming out the corner, you're not excited. You ain't thirsty. You're not ready for the rain. We'll wake you up when it's over. It says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, we got to go. Tell Ahab to go eat and drink and get ready. Get his chariots ready. Saddle up the horses. Get them ready because we, we got to go. We got to go. Can you imagine his runner coming back and saying, oh, I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. You might want to hold up on telling the king, uh, you know, 
that there's a sense of urgency here, like literally it was like the size of a man's, it was like a really small cloud. It was very insignificant, very insignificant. Where man, where things are impossible, with God all things are possible. And what looks insignificant was actually very significant. It is significant. What you do is significant. Coming home from work and washing clothes is significant. Washing dishes, cutting grass, significant. Helping kids with your homework, going to the ballpark, it's all significant. Coming and sitting here in here this morning, it's significant. Inviting people to church is significant. Standing up and praising worship and praising God, even though you may not understand and, and not, not get everything, it's okay. It's, it's significant. There's something going on. He's working on you. So you got to search for it. you got to search for it. It's just like this. Maybe you've never built anything. Or, I mean, maybe you've built something. Or you bought a dress. Or you bought some shoes. Or you bought a new car. Something along those lines. I'll give you an example. Like when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I was a young man, and I was a welder. And um, a friend of mine had a dump truck, and he wanted this trailer hitch, a uh, big hitch built on this dump truck. And I made this thing. It's like one inch thick. It was massive. And it's the first one I'd ever built. And it was awesome. It was awesome to me. I was 20. Pretty cool when you're 20 and you're building a hitch on the back of a dump truck. Amen? Amen. So then, every dump truck I passed, I was looking at the hitch. I'd be speeding up, checking out the hitch. But before then, I never paid one bit of attention to any dump truck hitch in my entire life. But I started noticing it when I started searching for it, when I started looking for it. You know what I'm talking about. You go buy a dress, and then you see another woman wearing it, and you're like, what the heck? You never noticed it until you started looking for it. Everybody got the same car you do, but before you bought it, nobody did. Yeah, they did. They always had that car. You just weren't looking. That makes sense? Elijah's out there three and a half years in a famine, and he survives the famine. Now he's praying for rain. And I asked a question earlier, are you ready for the rain? Because he got used to surviving in the drought. And he did a very good job. Most people wouldn't survive the drought. You know all the people that says, you don't need guns? And I can't believe you're killing those little innocent deer. Well, you know what? If it ever gets real in this country where you need somebody with a gun to protect you or to go kill a deer and cook it so you can eat, all of a sudden it won't be stupid. You'll be liking the folks with guns that know how to hunt. <laughs> Amen. That's right. And don't tell them, no, I ain't helping you. No, you don't have to help them. Look at me now. You made fun of me back then, but shotgun rifle, four-wheel drive, skin a butt, run, trot line, country boy can't survive. I mean, <laughs> but you can get used to surviving. A country boy can survive, but God never called you to survive. He called you to thrive. But you can get used to surviving. See, we're ready for the rain, but are you ready for the rain? The children of Israel, we're ready to get out of here. We're tired of being slaves. But when God brings them out, and now they're out in the wilderness, they're saying, we're not ready for this. Let's just go back over there where we can eat cucumbers. That's what, exactly what happened. Now I said before, go back there and eat cucumbers. God's got a pickle factory waiting on you. And I love pickles. I mean, I ought to be like, forget the, we're going for the pickles. I've been out there with Joshua and Kayla, amen. But we can get used to surviving. You can get used to hurting. You can get used to being anxious. You can get used to being depressed. You can just get used to losing. That's where Satan wants you. He wants you to get used to the drought. He wants you to have a drought in your soul. He wants you to be living in a drought. He doesn't want you to live in abundance. He doesn't want you to run to the rain. He wants you to run from the rain. He doesn't want you to experience the rain. What's the coolest rain you've ever been in? To me, the coolest rain ever is on the beach. When it starts raining, if there's any lightning or thunder, I mean, Jackie, I turn around, she's like, disappeared. But like Jesus walked through the wall. I go. 
But I like it out there on the beach when it's raining. That's a cool rain. That's the rain it, it, he wants you to experience. But it's not a natural rain. It's a rain that's going to water your soul, your, your spirit, your change you from the inside out. Amen. So he runs 17 miles ahead. And Ahab's the king. And I'm sure he's excited because they just had this showdown. The whole nation has seen who the true living God is. There's 850 dead prophets. Now he girds up his loins. He says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. We got to go. We got to get out in front of this storm. We got to run. So Ahab's going back. And so uh, Elijah's running. He outruns a chariot 17 miles. You know that he's thinking revival is coming to the land. Now I can serve Ahab because surely Ahab is going to be serving God. But Ahab gets there and tells Jezebel, he tells Jezebel what's going on. Let's pick up the story there and then we're going to wrap her up. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, he says, she says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Send a messenger to tell him. Send a messenger to tell him. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. And Elijah got scared. And Elijah ran. That's not the outcome that you would be anticipating had you been reading this story and didn't already know the outcome. He went up and faced Ahab. He says, let's have a showdown. Killed 850 prophets. And now this woman who sends a messenger and says, I'm going to kill you, I would expect him to say, I'll tell you what you can do with that. I'll tell you what. PG, I'll tell you what you can do with that. I'll tell you where you can put it. You know what I'm saying? That's not what he did. He got in fear and he ran. It reminds me, I remember when I was in high school, one time there was a guy I played football with from the time I was five till I was graduated. He was a pretty tough fella. And uh, we didn't like hang out all the time, but I mean, we were friends. And he'd fight. He'd run over you, tackle you, slam you on the ground, beat you up, whatever it took, didn't matter. And I remember one time I was in high school and I was having some words with another guy and it looked like we were fixing to get into a fight and I didn't need any help. And my buddy just pushes me out of the way and he's like, you got to go through me to get to him. I mean, in other words, he's just ready to fight somebody. And, uh, I, and then I remember there's another guy that went to another school that's a big old boy, but he's a big old sissy. And the reason I know is I made him cry every day in park ball. And I loved it. I loved it. Because he's twice my size. And I just, you know, it's just, if you've never been there, you don't understand. But anyway, he comes walking on the field, and the coaches are already telling us, there's this new guy that's transferring. He's big. He looks like he's going to be an animal. And I'm like, we're all anticipating the new guy. So the new guy walks on the field, and I was like, huh, what a big sissy. I mean, I played ball with him. I know he's a wuss. Once a once, always a wuss is what I was thinking. So I was like, give him a helmet and give him some pads right now because I'm fixing to rip your head off. I mean, right there at practice. Big wuss. Anyway, he never came to Gardendale. He decided to stay wherever he was. Anyway, I'm getting to a point. A few years later, I found out that big sissy guy beat up this guy that was tough. And I was thinking, that's totally not the outcome I was anticipating. When I read this story, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. That's not the outcome I was anticipating here. I was definitely telling Elijah, bring it on. Bring it on. It's 850. It'll be 851. I'll kill you too. <laughs> I saw something last night. I saw something. Uh, I read something. I read something in the Word that I've probably read. 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times. I sound like Tommy Moore now. No, that's what he always does. 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 times. Anyway, I read it a bunch of times. 
But Elijah is on his knees with his head between his legs, and he says, I hear something, you go look. Elijah never saw a thing. He never went on the mountain. He never went on the mountain and saw nothing. He never went on the mountain and saw something. He never went on the mountain and saw anything. All he saw was his head between his knees, and he stuck there to what he was hearing. You, you follow me? He was sticking to what he was hearing. Hearing the word of the Lord, the Lord said, it's going to rain. And Elijah says, I hear the sound of rain. But now, he's already killed all these prophets. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon him. He's ran 17 miles. No doubt this is a bad dude. And then this woman, Jezebel, says, that by tomorrow, this time tomorrow, that you're going to be uh, dead. Right here. And when he saw that, he saw it? What is there to see? She didn't show him anything. They do, right? Draw a picture. He didn't see anybody dead. She just sent a messenger to tell you, I'm going to kill you like you did them. He, he didn't hear it. He says he saw it. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. He started walking by sight. He started seeing something. That's how the enemy wants to work. If she could have killed him, she would have killed him. She couldn't kill him. If she could have stopped the rain, she would have stopped the rain. She can't stop the rain. If she could have killed him, she wouldn't have sent a messenger to say, hey, I'm going to kill you this time tomorrow. She couldn't kill him. If God could kill you, you'd already be dead. God, she can't stop the blessing in your life. Satan can't stop the blessing in your life. If he could have, he would have already done it. But what he can do is lie to you, deceive you, and get you in fear, and get you to run from what? From the rain. Because God was sending the rain, and he read a hand of the rain, and Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, and he just kept on running. He's running from the blessing. He's running from the rain. He starts to see something. And that's how Satan works. He wants you to see something different than what you're hearing. You can't go by what you see. You've got to go by what you hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. You see the difference there? That's big. It excited me. That's how the enemy works. Wants to intimidate you. Wants to lie to you. Wants to deceive you. Don't run from it. Run to it. Run to it. Don't run from it. Run to it. Some people are running from their shame, but Jesus carried your shame. He died for your shame. Some people are running from their past sins, mistakes, and failures. That's okay. His blood was shed for that. You don't have to run from it anymore. Some people are running from their situations, got a situation in hand. Don't run from it. Run to it. Don't run from it. See, He's with you. He'll stick closer to you than a brother. When things are impossible, all things are possible with God. He's got you. Don't run from Jezebel. You just run to the rain. He'll take care of Jezebel. Don't run from the calling. Satan wants you to run from your calling. Satan wants you to run from the rain. Satan wants you to run from the blessing. Satan wants you to run back. He wants you to stay in the drought. He wants your life to stay in the drought. Don't run from it. Are you ready for the rain? Are you ready for the rain? God's ready. Hey, the rain's here. The Spirit of the Lord's here. There's no doubt. Are you ready for it? Are you thirsty? Somebody said last week, you come to the well to get well. Are you ready to get well? If you're ready to get well, then come on to the well. Because that's where the, the living water is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Elijah runs. And he ends up under a tree under a broom tree. And this angel shows up to him and uh, shows up and feeds him and strengthens him and tells him, what are you doing here? Get up and go. And uh, he gets up and goes and he, he runs and he runs and he runs and he's running from the rain. 
the very thing that he prayed for, the very thing he heard, the very thing he believed in, the very thing he kept his head between his knees. He says, I hear the sound. Ahab, get your chariots ready. Go eat, drink, get ready. Let's run. Here comes a storm. It's what we've been praying for. This drought's fixing to come to an end. And now Jezebel says one thing. Satan uses Jezebel to speak one lie into his life, deceive him, trick him, get him into fear, intimidate him. And now he's running from the rain and he's running from the blessing. And so many times in our life, we do the exact same thing. You're like at the one-yard line. You're at the one-yard line, and, and you, you, you lose. You get beat. Or maybe you're down by three touchdowns, and you think it's over because you don't have enough time to score, so you just give up and quit. But let me say it one more time in case you didn't hear me the last five. When things are impossible with man, all things are possible with God. Maybe you struck out. Keep swinging. Keep swinging. So Elijah runs in this cave. Praise team, y'all, or Anna, and uh, just Anna and the instruments will be fine. There he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you hiding in a cave? You can't get rained on. You can't get wet in a cave. So he said, I've been very zealous for you, Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. First of all, he wasn't alone. He said, I'm alone several times. If you keep reading here in the 19th chapter, finally God speaks up and says, you're not alone. In fact, there's 7,000 others are just like you that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And when you're going through things in life, you always feels like you're the only one, but you're not the only one. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind torn, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind in the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So he wasn't in either one. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there's a still, small voice. We're always looking for something big and something spectacular like an earthquake or like fire or like a wind or something, flashing sign or something amazing, but God shows up in the still, small voice. It's the same still, small voice that was talking to him when he said, I'm going to send the rain. It's the same still, small voice that was speaking to him when he had his head between his knees saying, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. God's voice didn't change. God God's voice has never changed. God's voice will never change. The only thing that changes is how you hear and what you hear and what you decide to hear, what you want to hear. You can have your radio station on 93.8, but it won't come in very good. If you put it on 93.7, you'll be able to hear real clear. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you running from? Why are you running? Didn't I tell you I was going to send the rain? Didn't you say you heard the rain? Didn't you see the, the hand the size of a, a cloud the size of a man's hand? Didn't I send the, the rain? What are you doing here in this cave? Why are you running? When you run from resistance, you're running from the rain. When you run from the problem, you're running from promise. When you're running from the battle, you're running from the blessing. When you're running from the hard times, you're running from the harvest. Don't run from it, run to it. Thank God for every challenge that's, he's ever, that's ever been in your life that you've ever faced. Because you've never taken one step alone. He's always been right there with you. See, it's those times that build character who shapes you, emoji, shapes you, emoji, and the man, the woman he's called you to be. I thank the Lord for every hard thing I've ever faced in my life because it's done nothing but make me stronger. 
and build endurance and perseverance. And I can use all those experiences to help others. Jezebel can't kill you. Jezebel has no power to stop God. Satan has no power to stop God. Only thing Jezebel could do was to get him to run. And the only thing Satan can do is to get you to run, to get you to hide in a cave, to get you to run from the rain and go hide in a cave. Are you ready for the rain? Are you ready for the rain? The bigger question is, are you ready to receive the rain? Are you ready to receive the rain? Let's stand up.